Okay. Welcome, everybody, to the Outside Line episode, lucky episode 13. Uh, we have a round four Drifting SA recap and a special guest today, Mr. David Davy G1, D1, L2, now Judge Clark. How you going, Davy? Good, thank you. How are you guys? Good, good. And as always, I'm uh, joined by our um, esteemed co-hosts, uh, Tate Lindstrom and Jackson Snell. Oh, and I'm Ben. Hi. Everyone knows me. <laughs> Hi, Ben. <laughs> Hi. Jack, yeah, you're still muted, by the way. There we yes. go. Yes. <laughs> I'm doing this on purpose. Don't worry about me. <laughs> uh, we got, we're getting Jack in between spates of kid noise because it's school <laughs> holiday time, everybody. <laughs> All right, so um, do we? We'll get into what we do normally when someone is joining us, which is now being a thing pretty much every every episode. We'll have a um, a quick chat with Davey, and for everybody that doesn't know, Davey Clark is like OG triple OG status when it comes to South Australian drifting. Like he's been around since. I'm not that old. <laughs> I didn't say you're old. I said you were an OG. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not calling you Martel, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But um, yeah, Davey's been around for ages. Um, I remember it was the the first time I made a, a YouTube comment that um got like a bunch of likes, and it was on Stewie's video chasing you around like old tail and skid pan. Yeah. I was like, Davey used smokescreen; it was super effective, or something like that. And I was like, yeah. got like twenty likes, and I thought I was the sickest <laughs> dude out. Um, that was the beginning of the clout, was it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. But that, I think that was you were already LS by that point. Yeah, that so that was. was um, I reckon that was at our wedding, I reckon, which was uh, when it was first LS. Yeah. Um, so it was a bit of, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to put my foot down because it went from, you know, a 4A turbo to the LS, which had quite a bit more torque. Um, yeah. And it just, yeah, baked a lot. Basically, going into a tight section, instead of going down to second, I accidentally went to fourth. <laughs> and kick the clutch, just... and it went. And the yeah, so, oh yeah, fight. we're doing fourth now. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, oh, well, yeah. let's wind it right back to the start because obviously that car's um, had a lot of history as well. So, who yeah. is Davy Clark, and why does no one that's under the age of twenty remember you? Um, well, yeah, where you been? Yeah, so, and where you been? So, <laughs> so we'll start with where you were. So, yeah, so I started. Um, I can't remember when I actually started drifting. Probably 2008-ish, I reckon. Uh, straight from 4K, K70 to... Um, I had a wagon at one point as well, which was a street car. Jack might remember that. Um, which was uh, the, the old banana car. Um, and that, while I was building the other Corolla, um, it basically, yeah, it was 4A turbo, started doing events. It was a really basic car and it had quite a bit of steering lock from a Corolla, which not many people really, um, I suppose, sort of seen before. <laughs> what are you doing there? <laughs> it's just making myself bigger, it's fine. Don't worry about me. <laughs> um, it did nothing. <laughs> uh, so... Basically, I um, yeah, I was just driving like an idiot all the time, seeing what I could do, what the car could do. Um, you know, lo loved drifting since you know high school, um, and um, 
yeah, it sort of went into, oh, I'll try, I'll just do a G1 comp, but, you know, which was at Malala back in the day for the real young ones. Um, I was like, oh, I'll just try that and just see how it goes, more seat time, whatever. Um, did pretty terrible at that and then just kept, you know, progressing, doing more events. Uh, I think I did the first Matsuri. That was that Malala. That was pretty cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically, uh, what did I do after that? Yeah, so I started doing some stadium drift stuff, which was at the old tail and bend. Um, then I sort of, I've won a few of those um, and then started judging with Stewie quite a bit of those. So me and Stewie were judging those back in the day. Um, so that's sort of what got me into the door to judge the last round because um, I sort of knew what I was doing. Um, <laughs> and I managed to understand Stewie's uh, judging criteria. Uh, yeah, so we find art figuring that out. <laughs> makes one yes, of us. <laughs> yes, which we'll go into later on. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, so, yeah, did some comp stuff. Um, got invited to Top Gear v Festival, which was pretty cool. That was probably a big highlight of my uh, drifting career as such um so that was driving with australia's best which was really cool um and then that was sydney motorsport park too if i remember eastern creek yes yeah, yeah 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 eastern creek back then um yeah. so that was really cool and that was like basic as corolla on a 185 60 14 chasing dudes in with superchargers and a, a lot of power um but it was good fun it was good good experience um met heaps of new people so that was cool um and then basically as soon uh when was it i think it was 20 or oh, 2013 i reckon we started our own business which is a small mechanical shop and we're like oh yeah you know once we start a business you know i'll be able to drive more because we can fund the car more turns out <laughs> it's a lot of hard work um and so the last uh, pretty much, yeah, last nine years, um, we've just been working super hard. Um, it's become a really big success as well. Um, and it just, it turns out it takes a lot of time and energy and, you know, we're working, I mean, back, back then I was still, uh, 22, I think somewhere around there. Uh, so I was quite young, still had a lot of energy. We were doing 17 hour days, all that sort of, sort of crazy stuff. Um, and then, uh, when was it, I think, uh, start of this year, I was like, I, I managed to get the, the JZX 110, uh, before the prices went crazy, um, and, uh, was like, stuff it, let's just do a Matsuri and see how it goes. <laughs> so give, give the business a plug while we're sort of glossing over it now that you're sitting here with us. So it's it's R and D Mechanical, which is in uh, Little Old Seaford down south. Um, basically, it's more like a, at the moment it's more like a service centre sort of thing. At the moment, um, we've got we've we used to do a lot of sort of like builds uh, back in the day, but uh, they just take so much time. And as you as you grow on, um, like your quality gets better and better, so things take longer and longer. So we've really limited that down so we can just do the best quality possible. Um, but also service your mum's car, your nana's car, et cetera. 
keep everyone on the ride and keep them safe, which is good. It's funny that you talk about the uh, the business. You get into the business thinking you're going to have all this extra cash and time to now go. I can I can sponsor sport. myself. It's going to be yeah. great. Oh no, <laughs> wait. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we thought. You know. Yeah. Well, my dad did very similar, except he was doing race cars. He thought I'll I'll start a business and then I'll be able to go. You know buy a new race car and do this and that and he still hasn't got the new race car he's had a few old ones but he hasn't had any new <laughs> ones <laughs> so i think he got caught in the, that same uh, way of thinking back in the day yeah definitely um yeah so that's crazy um so that's basically led us up to now um i've sold the jzx 110 and bought uh, an, an 86 like a newer one um and yeah, I mean, I did Matsuri in that, uh, whenever that was now. Um, and that was for a standard car. It was awesome. It was, I had so much fun. I never thought I'd have so much fun in a standard car. Um, so I'm excited to see what I can do with it after, you know, a few little mods and things like that. And to Ben's delight, I will be going straight into L1 next year. Hey, hey there we go. go. That's what we're here. Um, so, so, so speaking speaking of mods, what are the the plans for the the near future for the, so, the GT86? So I'm I'm going to keep it somewhat simple, um, which is a bit unlike me because I always because I'm a perfectionist, I always want to do the best thing and make it over the top. But then it takes forever to build a car. Um, so I'm literally doing turbo kit, which I'm just waiting on the exhaust side of it, uh, coilovers and a couple of suspension arms and some wheels and that's it and then just straight up drive uh if and like it's going to be stock motor still e85 you can do a flex sensor on the standard ecu which is pretty cool um so hopefully e85 like if i get 250 kilowatt that'll be plenty in a little light car like that put a cage in it obviously so i can do silly things um and i don't get yelled at by stewie next year <laughs> and um uh, that that'll be good. Uh, yeah, so that 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 should be good fun, I think. I've got to say, at Matt Siri, I don't think anyone did more laps than you. hundred percent. I think you're on track for every possible second of that gate being open. And I, and I was extremely lucky because because it rained that Friday night. I didn't realize how many tires I'd go through, so I brought uh, two pairs of scrappies and four brand new tires i so on probably my fifth lap or so i actually popped a tire halfway through the bowl in the wet that was a scary moment didn't crash <laughs> um and then uh yeah basically put i think i put a newer set on and near the end of the night it actually uh i think they opened it up to both groups because like there's a lot of people were dropping off and things like that um so i was just lap after lap after lap <laughs> which was amazing um and it, and it worked out quite well because i was able to gain uh quite a bit of speed to, to get into turn one and uh i also found out that night that when there's lots of rubber on the uh wall line it's quite slippery in the wet even in a car with no power and i i thought there was actually oil down or something and then uh, I think Landon was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's just the, you know, the rubber bits. And 
it was pretty funny because I would just go straight off in, uh, you know, into the dirt. Um, but at the end of the day, I was um, had heaps of fun. I was I learnt a lot of the car, what it could do standard, what things, you know, once I do replace things, what kind of effect it's going to have on a car, uh, which is another important thing, especially for the younger guys, is when you're building a car, if you can do it in steps, um, you'll be able to feel exactly what it does uh, after each mod instead of going, oh, I've just done a massive build. It's got 400 kilowatts. Oh, I don't know how to drive it very well because you sort of don't, you get lost in, say if it's something set up um, or has lots of parts in it, it can be harder to drive than, you know, gradually building up to that, uh, yeah. which, we've all, which we've all seen before. So I think we're we're all pretty big proponents here of the the keep it simple and and build up technique. Like, well, we've all been driving for ten odd years at least, and we all started with some some pretty basic machinery. I still have some pretty basic machinery to be honest. But like, <laughs> and it does so well. Like, yeah, it and again, it's it's just my like simple stuff and knowing what what is important. And you learn, especially when you start with a stock car. And you go, like, say you get an R chassis, like a Skyline, and you go out for the first drive and you go, oh, this has no lock. That's my number one priority is, like, maybe get a bit of angle into it because R chassis are absolutely terrible standard. Yeah. But, um, like, you, you learn, oh, this is where this car struggles. This is what I need to focus on. And obviously, like you're saying, like, a little bit of power and some coilovers is pretty much all. It looked like it has, like, pretty reasonable stock. It's like stock lock. Yeah, I was actually quite surprised with that because I thought it might be... Like with newer cars, they're usually pretty average. Um, and because the chassis is quite based off of like a WRX mainly in the rear end, um, like all the rear arms are exactly the same as an Impreza or WRX. Um, so the front's a bit limiting as well because it has the boxer motor. The frame rails are quite wider as well. So that's why a lot of like the FD cars or even the Euro European cars like, uh, have, like outside, yeah, like postcode. Ryan Turk sort of things from back <laughs> yeah. in the day. Um, and, and they have to do that to actually have the clearance for the lock to work. Um, so that's something I'm going to be battling with as well. Um, I'm, I'm definitely, I've been looking into uh, Stewie's Acostal stuff. It looks really good. Um, then I've got to figure out wheel sizes and things, which is a big trouble. Because um, they're by seven plus a million. Yeah, <laughs> something much. like that. Yeah, so there'll be a bit of playing around with that. Uh, Simon's been really awesome. Like he's done a lot of testing with the car, and um, yeah, given me heaps of info, uh, which has been really cool. Uh, I think he's very happy to have another '86 driving with him. So, uh, it, which is back to the Matsuri thing. I he was following me for a couple of laps. And it was the scariest thing because I was like trying not to spin out. <laughs> I was going to mention that I, I saw him like enter on your door into turn one in the wet. And I'm like, Davey's been making that corner, and you know, <laughs> only two, two out of three times. And he's yes. in, in his car yes. on your door. I'm like, that's a bold move, Simon. Oh, that's, I yeah, know. Bold strategy, out. Cotton. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, the reason why it, it was scary is because because it is all it was all standard suspension when it sort of loaded up and it would sort of flick the other way it would wouldn't throw me off exactly like it was catchable but it could be a bit unpredictable because of how much roll there was um and that's the trouble i had in the 110 is it was quite 
uh, it sort of like once it did snap you because it was so heavy, it would just sort of pull you around or or something just like that. But constantly over rotate. Yeah, but with the eight six, even standard, I was able to catch it. I'm like, okay, cool, because that was something I was testing on on that night and that day is you know what I can get away with and what will come what it will come back from. And um, yeah, super super happy with it. Um, at at our shop as well, we've worked on quite a lot of them. We've turboed heaps of them as well, um, you know, and they range from 200 onward kilowatt on a stock motor, uh, 98, E85. Um, people drive them properly as well, and none of them have blown up. So, yeah, you know, if we keep the torque up high, because the, the weakest thing in those is the rods are quite thin. So if you get lots of torque low down, you're going to have a lot of cylinder pressure and, yeah, bend those little rods and you have Rodney out, out the block there. So... Yeah, I've, I've driven a couple at the, the skid pan school and they go pretty good, like just with the turbo on them. I think they get pretty hot doing the the donuts and that sort of thing. But as a street car, they'd be pretty good to have with just a, a turbo kit and Definitely. 200 kilowatts. Yeah, oh, it's, it, and that's the thing is that like everyone always complains about them not having enough power. But what people are going to realise is... Um, with how much the car was, I think it's like 30 something grand brand new for the base model. If they put a turbo in it, one, it would cost more. The base price would cost a lot more. But if it costs a little bit more, it would actually be cheaper than the WRX and it will be more fun than the WRX and probably quicker as well because it's lighter. And they'll know they wouldn't sell WRXs in theory. That yeah. that's the whole that's the whole marketing thing that yeah they cannibalise their own market yeah exactly so they're like oh we'll keep it low power like they knew people were gonna you know play with them quite a bit the um uh like that's why they put you know really cheap Prius tires on it is what they used to say back in the day because they knew people would change the wheels suspension and and do all that sort of fun stuff um but yeah that no, was good. I guess they are sort of like a newer real drive vehicle that, you know, with P-plate laws and all that sort of thing these days, it was still a car that was, you know, aimed towards younger people because you still, you see a lot of young kids on the street in them, you know, and then, like you said, Davey, like modding them in their own way. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, that's another thing why I, uh, I had to get rid of the 110 is I think I scraped every panel that you could that was unboltable. But if I put something into the doors or the rear quarters, like they are, as Jack would know, they are so hard to find parts for. Um, <laughs> well, I haven't taken mine to the track yet. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Very good idea. Um, so that's why I had to make that decision in, uh, you know, to, to either find something else or try and build the 110. But with my driving style, it's quite aggressive. Um, you know, obviously coming from a Corolla, it's quite light, you know, quick flicks, things like that. That's, that's my sort of driving style. And, um, yeah, so, you know, going into the 86, like these days, Sylvia's and Skylines and anything us older guys grew up with is getting really hard to find bits for, or they're stupidly expensive. Um, and I always say to people, like, I feel sorry for the younger generation, you know, who, who grew up going, oh, I'm going to get one of those 
you know, S, old S15s, you know, um, and then they look at them now and they're fairly thrash uh, and they're like 30 grand. Yeah. Um, Long gone are the days yeah. of the, the two to five grand import, like. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah, NAS 13, two and a half grand. Oh, man, it's it's SR Auto. Nah, that's gross. Yeah. I'll, I'll pass on that. And now you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's like a 20 grand car now. Now there's your NA32 Auto is going for like 15 grand and then. Nuggets. Crazy. Yeah, the $1,500 uh, turbo uh, S13 that I bought manual is looking real good these <laughs> days. <laughs> yeah. So with going back to the K, so you had that yep. four age with the, the, it was a supercharged engine, but you had a turbocharger on it. Yep. And then you, then you went to the LS. How, how did that change the car? What? What dynamics changed there? Um, it was a bit of a... It was pretty good, actually, because we were weighing up a lot of options. Um, we're like, oh, you know, what's an LS wave versus an SR, for example? And it was a pretty... Like, once you add turbo stuff, intercooler stuff, you know, the, the weights are pretty... Like, they were a lot closer than what I thought they would be. And then, you know, at that time as well... You know, there was like, what engine can we put in that isn't um, going to make the front too heavy? You know, with the LS being alloy, you know, block alloy heads. Um, we we're looking at one UZ stuff as well. That had been done a few times. Uh, even back then, they were pretty pricey to get bits for. Um, but yeah, they sound cool because they're, you know, an overhead cam thing. But, but um, you know, getting parts for those was pretty expensive. Um, and uh you know not compl well complicated for doing a quick fix at the track but then if you look at an ls like it has one cam it has push rods it has like you know to get a head off of one of those is pretty easy um yep i figured that out yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um piston and... tops maybe not so good <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah, in the walls that was not nice. Um, and basically all it was. Uh, so when we decided to do the LS, it was, uh, you know, there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of aftermarket support for the LS. Uh, back back in the day, there wasn't much aftermarket support for um, like a 1UZ or something like that. So uh, when we did the LS, like it's like the 86, there's so much aftermarket support for it that it was sort of a no-brainer. Um, and when it happened as well, like the, I think there was only one or two that had been done in the world already. So I was able to talk to those guys that actually had done one and, um, you know, get some info on what you have to do because you have to relocate the starter to the other side because it's obviously got the steering shaft, uh, which, which gets in the way. Um, we actually cut the trans tunnel out fully and got... The, the VY Commodore we got the LS1 from, we actually got like a front cut and cut the whole trans tunnel out and welded that into the Corolla. Jeez, um, it's not, so, a, not a simple job then. No, that's right. And a lot of people would just like do like a frame up sort of thing and do some do some sheet metal on it. Um, but we, um, actually, <laughs> it was pretty funny. I I went to work one day and my brother, uh, you know, went went to the house and welded it in for me and, and got that all in and we were able to get
get it in with the gearbox on, no worries, plenty of room. Um, we use standard headers on it, but we actually modified the chassis rails. We actually notched the chassis rails um, because at the time people wanted four to six grand for custom headers. And, uh, you know, I, I, had a, I had a Corolla and I just got qualified as a mechanic, which doesn't get paid the best. Uh, so I was, you know, making it as budget as possible. So we managed to, you know, had a friend that was, you know, quite handy with a welder and a cutting disc. And we were able to, uh, you know, cut, cut and uh, modify things as need be. Um, I was sponsored by Adaptronic back then as well, which is an old ECU company, um, which Howtech bought out now. Um, and uh, Andy, who owns it, a uh, super nice dude, uh, he actually flew down. No, he was in the US at the time um, at SEMA for one of the years. And I sent the wiring loan to him and he took it with him to the US, depinned it and rewired it uh, to suit the K in his hotel room at SEMA and then shipped it down here. We put it in. He flew down to my house and like stayed the night, set it all up, and then we got it running, uh, which was pretty cool. Yeah, super cool, dude. Um, so I've, I've always been, you know, very appreciative of that. Um, and, yeah, it was super basic, super basic, and that's what I try to tell a lot of the, the younger guys, you know, these days as well, especially with the Corolla stuff. Like, there's quite a few Corollas out now. Uh, all, all my car had was, yeah, it was an L, stock LS, um, had a pod filter on it, uh, an ECU, no cam, no, nothing, none of that. I think I had 100,000 Ks on it or something. Uh, it didn't even have a lifter tick, which I was surprised about. And uh, <laughs> so <laughs> um, basically uh, that made 250 kilowatts. Um, on a standard engine and 250 kilowatts in a hundred, uh, was it a thousand kilo, 900 kilo, something like that car was, uh, was really good. But again, it's, it was super basic. So LS T56, basic extreme clutch off the shelf clutch, custom drive shaft, R31 diff with a mini spool in it, which is all the rage back in the day. Um, hey, don't go knocking the mini spools. I still got one. <laughs> oh, they're fantastic. I mean, it works. It worked for so many years. Uh, that had 411 gears in it. Um, the the steering setup on it was some AJPS springs in the in the. Uh, actually, no, that was I had Shockworks uh, stuff when they first came out. Um, so we're doing a bit of testing for them, and and they helped out a lot on that car as well. Um, and some cut and shut knuckles. Extended control arms, that's it, and salad bowl wheels, <laughs> <laughs> and that was literally it. That's all. It, that's all it was, and um, yeah, it was. It was a ball of fun, learnt heaps, and uh, yeah, here we are now. <laughs> so, how was it getting back into uh, to judging after all these years from the uh, the stadium drift days? Obviously, judging with Stewie, and now back judging. Kind of Stewie. Stewie. <laughs> yeah. You've gone I mean, a long he, way. <laughs> Ten yeah, he, years he or was, whatever it is. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he was, yeah, him doing the scoring, he was he was loving it there as well, which is cool. So it was cool to work with him again and and with Cece and, uh, and Sam as well. Um, 
it was um it was a lot more different but in a really good way um you know stewie's system on how he's done it, he's done a really good job just on the like the spreadsheet side of things like you we punch you know a few numbers in and it automatically works it out and on his computer he's got the whole scoring thing and it puts the next person's name in there for the next battles i was like wow this is this is really cool um and what it came down to as well is like the driving these days is so much better than what it was 10 years ago like it's it's stepped up quite a lot um so that's been really cool to see and and you know with all the battles that were it was really hard to sort of decipher between them but it was hard but it was easy because you know me sam and cc were all on the same page on exactly what we wanted as well uh, which was really good um, to be able to pinpoint exactly you know who was getting through where people could improve um, we actually had uh, like we all, we we got them all together like me sam and, and cc and we're like let's watch the practice in the morning on the saturday that way we can know exactly what we're what we're looking for be on the same page and that way if people have questions we can go yep here here um and then it turned out in the end that worked out really well because uh i think i was talking to uh who we got um I can't remember the names off the top of my head now. Um, but one of the guys were um, asking, you know, what what the, what they could do better sort of thing. And I sort of let them know, you know, it, it, you just need to enter later to, you know, make the zone pretty much and, and be able to get some better points. And then as I was walking to the, you know, the grandstand, he was talking to CC and CC was legit saying exactly the same thing. Uh, which was really cool. So that way it sort of gives the drivers like, okay, cool. I really got to focus on, you know, that one point instead of having, um, you know, three all different these different judges giving three different answers and yeah, they're like, oh, no, I've got one of this stuff. I've got to figure out what I've done wrong. Yeah, 100%. And that can be sort of confusing in a way because uh, especially like because when I did round three, what you can see up high versus what you can see in the car is two totally different things. Um and because there's no line there as such, you've got to sort of guess where it was because it got, you know, rubbed out pretty quick. Um, but we yeah, could I'll, see it. I, w I was guesstimating. Every time I'm coming down that straight, I'm going, where did I enter last time? And it comes towards <laughs> like, I think it's here. And you enter it and you're like, oh, not too late or too early. And yeah. you can't see the chalk mark that they've got. You just feel the bumps. If the bumps are too bad, you're like, I think I went a little wide here. Look, yeah. I'll tell you where you can't see anything. That's the bloody commentary box halfway down the straight. Yeah. <laughs> Commentating that's, that's... Half, half the runs from the place. So we had really good thing. We had a, um, a live feed of what the live stream was showing, um, like like actual live, not not the delayed stuff that was broadcast. So half the runs, me and Danny were just like staring at this little tiny box <laughs> or like this little monitor <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on because you couldn't see anything from the, uh, from the straight. Yeah, uh, and that's what's... Um... Uh, that's what was good about us being, you know, in the stands on turn one up really high is we're really able to see, uh, you know, each zone and how wide or shallow people would go. Um, it was super duper windy um, and our tent was blowing away half the time. We had to ratchet strap it down. Um, I, I was sitting online and I'm like, why are we waiting so long? 
and yeah. I, I didn't see the, oh, the, the judge's head yeah. blew away. <laughs> yeah, it was legit like blowing away, and we were trying to strap it all down, and you know, a couple of other guys uh, around there as well were trying to help us like pull it down. We're like, we're getting there. We're like trying to write these things in. Like, oh, I can't see. We're like getting blown away, and. Uh, Daddy and I were like stalling for time, like just going, "What's going on? Like, what, why, why aren't we sending cars? What's going on?" Like, uh, yeah, it's obviously, yeah, there was a, um, a runaway tent. So, yeah, that's right. So, uh, so that made it a bit harder, um, but it made it like if we were where you guys were in the in the commentary in the um, uh, yeah, yeah, in the tower, there's no way we'd be able to see it. Um, so, yeah, so it was a really good, um, like, really good event. And uh, and a good experience. Good to be back, you know, judging and um, you know, letting people know what you know what things they can improve on, and them applying it was a really sort of rewarding thing as well. That was actually pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, so that's awesome. Oh, I think it's probably about time we uh, crack on into round four. Have yeah, a chat about uh, the the. Well, it's the two-day event. The first super one round. We we're back at the, back of the super round. We got we've got the novelty events to talk about first. Yeah, we can we can start out with uh, the big entry comp, which was probably the highlight of my weekend. Same, because <laughs> I actually got to do it, so that was all right. That was a, a good use of uh, track time while they set up the the main layout out there. I was saying to Ben, <coughs> I. Uh, didn't really get why everyone liked Southern so much. I didn't really, it wasn't really my thing. I, I couldn't figure it out. I get it now. I get why everyone likes Southerns. Yeah. It's, uh, I just needed a bit of a, a bit more steering lock, I think, to figure that one out. Uh, it, it's not so much the steering lock. It's just the disregard of the pace zone when the pace zone was there was why everyone liked Southerns. If you, if you actually went and were responsible through the pace zone, Southerns is just like, oh, yeah, you're doing you know, 80Ks an hour, flick it in, it's a hairpin, no worries. But when you're like top of third, fourth gear, like doing like forty, and like flick it in, you're going, I'm going to throw it in as hard as I can and hopefully it ends up in the right spot. It's a, yeah, it's such a fun corner. It's just all about the entry and... The entry is like the most part exciting part of drifting, like especially like when yeah. you're driving by yourself. Like it's all about the entry. Yeah, Definitely. coming down there and like flicking from one side to the track to the other, doing about I think it's about one forty-five I had in my car, and then just flicking it out and hoping you didn't end up end out on the grass. And I think I took out a couple of cones or something like that, and you just I oh, hope this works. And then looking <laughs> part, like looking at for the entry, and you're like shit, I can't see it. My passenger's there. I had semis on the back. I had my old steers on the back. So I had semis on the back, worn radials on the front. So it's like the perfect setup for doing backers. <laughs> and I was coming out of because we started on the outside of two, which is like pretty much the, the, sorry, the start of turn two, which is where the end of the, the um, cones are being set up. And like I was like top of second, limiter bashing through turn two with like just this tiniest bit of angle, like trying to go as fast as possible through there. As like carrying all the speed in the world, and I'm like, all right, the first one, I was like, I'll initiate like you know at the pit exit, kind of. That's where you normally do it. I come up like thirty foot short. I'm like, all right, next one, and I was like literally like, there goes the pit entry. Now I'll enter, and it's like it's gonna it's gonna go off the track, and then you're like, oh no, I'm in the middle of the corner. It actually worked. It was absolutely insane. The thing I hated is <clears throat> I got one lap of practice 
before the big entry comp, and I thought, I need to get a lap of practice in here. I'll give it a crack. And I think that was one of my best runs, but <laughs> none of the judges were there, and I, I didn't know I had to go down to second. So I was just in third, and for some reason, I clutch kicked, and it worked, and it just baked the shit out of the whole corner. And then the entire actual judge time, I was trying to get third gear. It was bogging on me. I'm like, what did I yeah. do when I didn't know what I was doing? <laughs> Always the way. Oh, that's it. Uh, and so, that's like with the like with Southerns as well. Is because like back in back in our day, it like we never had cones there, so it was like just go flat and and you know good luck <laughs> basically. Um, as soon as like when I did that first Matsuri in the 110, I was like, oh, there's cones there, but. As soon as you pass those cones, you can just basically clutch kick it and and try to get it in there. But you know the thing with Southerns as well is it's really slippery. You know yeah. halfway through the corner. Um, so when you're doing, you know, when you're going really fast, it can be really sketchy and you can wash out really wide. Um, but when you get it right, it is the most rewarding thing. Like it's it's very cool. So yeah. I probably should move on now to... Oh, oh sorry, Ben. I was going to say, Ro- Roger won that, so I didn't jinx him on that at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically, he um, yeah, he did really well with that. Like, that car's got so much grip in it. Um, so he's able to get quite a bit of speed out of turn two and just really line it up for, uh, you know, for three and four. Um, the biggest thing with the entry comp was a lot of people were doing really awesome entries, like... Uh, like Tate was doing really good ones, same with Hayden as well. But it was more the biggest thing that we sort of were able to judge it off or pick it between each person each person was not having a bobble going into three, like trying to hook it up to three and four. Um, and because I think quite a few people were fairly, you know, grippy at that stage, um, you know, it would bog down like for you, Tate, it would bog down a few times for you. Yeah. Um, I was just kind or, of trying to go for third. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Or, uh, you know, it might be a bit of an, a later one and it, and you end up spearing off. We've had quite a few people going off. Um, but Roger was able to to just do a massive, massive flick into it, but also just get the clutch, like kick the clutch in and just be able to carry it through. Probably like what you did in your practice run. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Oh, Roger's very good at the uh, precision and making sure that there's no little mistakes. So, yeah, sure. that uh, fits the bill for him for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so also for this, because we had two days, we actually brought Quali back, which was, um, it's not it's not a traditional style Quali. Um, we do a jam session. So it's basically just the last practice session of the, of the day um, gets judged. And... Um, you guys were just you know, taking notes, picking your favourites kind of thing, which gave us our top 10 for the top 10 shootout. And the first, everyone's first lap was, oh, yeah, that's a good shootout lap. That was good. And then everyone's second lap just turned to absolute crap because everyone's like, oh, I've done a lap now. I'm going like, to go for a big one. And they just go spearing off the track or do something dumb. But um, Woody did a Woody and um, absolutely laid down an absolute just chalker of a lap. Like, the thing was just... I reckon he used more tires in that one lap than I used in the entire weekend. Like it was absolutely blazing, and yeah. um, I think it was a well-deserved winner of the of the shootout for sure. But he also committed to the jump. That was a, a lot of a lot of people <laughs> were bailing out of it. He just went and just kept it the whole way through turn two, which was really cool to see. Um, 
Yeah, and that's that was the winner basically. Like he just he got a like really good line coming into uh, you know into the first turn, um, and then just yeah, full commitment, which was really cool. Yeah, and then uh, we also had Team Drift, which I didn't get to be a part of. Not that I'm salty about that at all. But uh, we had a, we had three teams, did we? We had the Scots, yeah. which is pretty uh, pretty usual. Yeah. Uh, who else did we have? I can't remember the name. We had uh, Paul, Ozzie, Paul, Paul Ozzie Austin and the missiles missing Paul Ozzie Austin. <laughs> and um, whatever uh, Brody, Matt, and... Um, oh, it was a Roger. good name too. Oh, I can't Scott, remember man. it now either. Isn't um, it on the oh, it, was like, it, was like, it was like the regatta or something. I don't know call it. Oh, because we got, we got copyright strike, strike struck by um, the Yacht Club. Or Yacht Club, sorry. No, there's no the... <laughs> Because <laughs> we called him that, but um, yeah, it was a little bit variety crash. Yeah, variety crash was it? No, variety thrash. Oh, variety thrash. It was yeah, a little bit lackluster compared to some of the other team drifts we've seen in the past. I think there was. I was hyping it because I was super keen because team drift is always there. But I think just the amount of breakages that we saw and like just the 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 drop in entrance in general just meant team drift was a little bit, a little bit meh. To, to be perfectly honest. A little bit sparse. Yeah, a little bit sparse. But it was still good. There was still some, you know, four-car trains and stuff like that. So pretty much there was a four-car team and three, three, two three-car teams. So the four-car team was always going to win it, basically, if um, if they could just get it together. Another important note on the team drift as well is the points you get from that goes to the championship points. Yeah. And that's something Stewie was like, doesn't matter if you like just drive like just drive get some points in the bag um because you can get quite a bit from it even if you get third or something like that um and that's what you know kale was able to even though he had the other two which were l2 they didn't get points but kale still got points um yeah so that was a, a pretty cool thing but yeah, like the team drift was a lot all over the place. Um, <laughs> it always is. <laughs> it was, That's uh, polite. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty eventful. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I can't remember what the what the first place team was, but yeah, you know Dale, Scotty, and and all that. Um, yeah, they. I think their real last run was probably the best one they did. Um, they were able to sort of have like an even amount of gap um we kept trying to say to like dale we're like stop pushing in heaps far on the next person's door because we want to like you know have them as an evenly stacked thing um but i think they managed to get there in the end um uh on their real last lap and uh yeah they managed to get the win with that there we go so (laughs) Yeah, it was it was um yeah, it was a thing. And then I actually went home on Saturday night, which is very unlike me because I went to a a, a very lackluster swap meet Sunday morning. Oh yeah. Um but from what I heard it was it was actually a pretty a pretty tame Saturday night adventure at the uh the campgrounds at Malala. Um we we were trying to get back into Malala's good books, so after the last time we were at Malala on a Saturday night. <laughs> Yes, those uh, shenanigans, Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not pointing any any fingers at anybody, but Aussie driving his car to get photos of the stars. Yeah. 
So yeah, and then um, Sunday was pretty much back to business as usual. So we had um, the the quali- qualifying battle round points um, thing. I still don't know how to explain properly, but there was battles for points and then battles for knockouts and and um, everything in between. But there was like such good driving and such good battling. And when you have a course that's two corners, and they're two really technical, like tricky corners as well. Um, it really um, threw the battle points in, like, it really opened everything up. Like, going through looking at the, the scores when the, we had the, the top 16 and then into the top eight, I was like, I hadn't seen such a big spread of points, especially with, you know, I think it was only 16 cars left in L1 by the time we actually got into the battle rounds. Um, but, like, there was, like, a 30-point spread where we've, lately we've been seeing, like, you know, 10 to 15 cover, like points covering half the field, so. It's only two corners, and they don't look like they're terribly intricate or complex, but actually doing Until them you really them. well yeah. is really difficult. Like, not going into to turn one with decent, um, like, markers to know where you're chucking the car in and how deep you got to go, that's something that's really hard to do and then getting that transition to actually get on the outside of turn two and getting there quick enough and snappy enough is surprisingly difficult to do so it is surprising when you look at it on paper that the track with only two corners is also seems to be the track with the most like difference between the the best and the worst but when you drive it it actually makes sense because it's just it's not that easy to do well and it's not that easy to do it consistently yeah it's also a super hard track like a super hard layout to chase on properly as well like the the chase run was so dependent on the lead run like more than we normally see mm. like normally it's like oh the lead cars had a bit of a bobble or the lead cars got a little bit shallow here it's not too bad because the chase car can like you know close it up but when you have one initiation and that was very common to see cars go shallow on the initiation and then one transition where it was very common to see the lead car go shallow on the transition. And um, it was so easy as a chase car. You can see it every like, so many times that the chase car, the chase car is just caught with his pants down and he's on the correct line, but he's now suddenly six car legs behind because the lead driver's kind of taken a narrow line into two and just gapped them. Yeah, that narrow line into two I noticed a couple of times. Not so much in the actual comp, but when I was doing practicing, if... The lead car wasn't actually getting into that outer zone. They would would transition before you and be driving through the corner and away while you were still pointing the wrong direction. And once that happens, you couldn't catch back up. It doesn't matter if you've got a super fast car, you've been gapped. And I think from the judge's perspective, that is the point where you're looking side on. So it's going to be harder to tell where how deep someone is when you're looking at them side on. So it, it was a real hard spot for everyone, I think, making sure that that lead car was all the way out. Yes, 100%. <laughs> um, that was, yeah, it was literally all down to the lead driver. Um, you know, having the proximity as the chase uh, was a, obviously another big factor as well. Um, but a lot of people's points were mainly from uh, from the lead. Um, because that, like you're saying, that is the critical thing of this course, uh, this layout. Um, you know, we had quite a few people, um, 
like struggle with it, um, which which is where they lost a bit of points. Um, but even some of the bigger guys like you know Hayden and even Scotty, like if they did a bit too wild of an entry through you know turn one, um, they would actually lose points because the chase car, you know, is either going to hit them or they have to bail out, and you know that's on the lead cars. Uh, you know that's their fault. Um, I think uh, I think Brody was actually following either Hayden or Scotty, and uh, he was he did quite a big entry into it, and Brody was catching up really quick, and he sort of had to bail out of it a bit, and that's what. And you know, as the as the uh, lead car goes into turn uh, turn two, you know, there's a massive gap there because they've had to sort of pull back a bit and try to try to reset. So that was probably one of the more trickier uh, things to, to judge and get right for the event. Um, so we really took that, you know, uh, into a, into, uh, into account and uh, yeah, go from there. I really like that you guys have been putting in the onus on the lead car for mis- what might be seen as mistakes from the chase car too. Cause I think that's one of the big, the big things in drift that doesn't quite get enough attention is what the lead car does affects the chase car. And you can't necessarily blame the chase driver for doing things. If they're reacting to the lead car, the lead car should actually be penalized for those. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad that you guys are were looking so deep into that. Cause I think it's a big part of it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, like, if you look at some of the bigger series is like FD or the Euro stuff, um, you know, say if someone is going to have a wobble in front, even someone like James Dean, for example, he's still not going to be able to chase that regardless of how much of a good driver he is. Um, so yeah, the, the lead is quite important. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to see, you know, what people do to react to it as well. Um, and yeah, trying to, to adapt to other people's driving style can be hard at times. Um, but that's what's good about the practice stuff. You know, you try to drive as many different people as you can. Uh, if you know, you know, that driver is going to be a top runner, do some runs with them because they're usually going to have a really good line for uh, like a lead line. Um, and you'll be able to try and mimic the line, uh, which will further improve your lead, lead runs uh, for your battles in the future. So I just got having a look at... Uh... The uh, podiums here. So we had uh, L2, had Jonathan Benz. In third place, Patrick, I'm not going to say his surname. Witch. P. Witch. Um, Pro, in... Pro Copper Witch. I got, I got it sent to me phonetically as three words. So it's Pro Copper Witch. And now I can say it like 80% of the time. <laughs> Which is, that's a good hit rate for me. Because I get normal <laughs> names wrong, so... So Patrick got uh, second, and then Harry leading out to uh, L2. Yeah, so it's it's been the, the Harry and Patrick show this season for L2. So I think Patrick didn't come to the first round from memory. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, Harry and Patrick have been neck and neck pretty much taking taking it to each other. They've been in the top, top four like all season, like, um, which is, you know, obviously good to see them guys being consistent. And uh, as we move in, um, I think those two are both going to probably be going to L1 next season. Mm. I I have a feeling. (laughs) 
this is probably a good question for you, Davey. How close yep. is the top of L2, say, Harry or Patrick, to L1? Oh, they, those guys should definitely go to L1. Um, especially Harry as well. He's extremely, extremely um, consistent. Um, and he's been, pro- you know, every sort of round he's been proving, you know, that he can do it. And he's he's, he's always, you know, on the podium or, or extremely close. Um, same with Patrick as well. Like, he's, he's been doing really well, again, consistent. Um, and that's what drifting is all about. I was talking to Tay about this before. It's consistency is key to progressing. And there's, you know, you have quite a few rounds to be able to get to the final, but it takes a lot of hard work to get there and a lot of consistent work too. So, yeah, I think those two guys are going to be really good uh, to go into L1. Um, I think they'll learn quite a bit more in L1 as well. Um, Another bit of a special mention is um, Jonathan Benz did really well as well. So he was probably straight up got the line down pat from day one practice in the morning. The L2 guys were struggling quite a lot because they were entering quite a bit earlier. They would fall short or even fall onto the normal turn one line into two. Once we sort of had our driver's briefing on that Sunday morning, uh, a lot of them took it on board really quick. And once battle rounds and things came along, it it was really good to see. Like they pushed a lot deeper. They were pushing on each other a lot more. Um, I think the only thing with um, with Jono is he, I think well, he actually had a rerun, rerun with uh, Patrick in the top four, um, but he had a, uh, I think he had a spin or a really big bobble because he got a he got a two and and Patrick got an eight uh, in one of the runs there. So, you know, that's all it takes. It, it can just take, you know, one fairly big mistake to to ruin a run, but because it is a points based system. Um, you don't just go, oh, you know, I've lost it. You just keep going. You keep going, try to, you know, get to the next corner. The more points you can get, the better, because it's all obviously all added up. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much, yeah, that's that rounds up the L2 dudes for me. Yeah, it was interesting seeing, like, I wouldn't say struggle, but Patrick was struggling with his initiation into turn one. You could tell, like, getting that, that car deep into the zone and, like he, I think he did really well to to get himself into the final this weekend or last weekend for sure. Like so, um, yeah, I I even had a chat to him when we were um standing there watching everyone do burnouts because his car was broken, so he brought the the Vardy Swift out. <laughs> um, but I was yeah, we, we were chatting about it because I just kept like it'd be all good I remember, and then like the next lap I'd come out and I'd just go back to muscle memory and like any shape where I'd like normally would for turn one, and then go oh crap and just be like trying to make the car get get to the course so. I think it is a, a, another thing again, like especially people that have been driving Malala for a while, just unlearning the muscle memory of going, this is where it intends to turn one and going, hang on a minute. No, I'm going to drive at the wall a little bit longer that I'm really not feeling comfortable about. Now I enter into turn one. It's um, it's a totally, totally weird feeling. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah, it take, takes a while to get rid of that muscle memory of, uh, of cutting down turn one there and going mm. through for the ripple strips. So, Mm. Moving on to uh, L1, we had uh, Adam May in third place, I believe, Scotty in second, and Dale taking out top step again. 
bloody Dale. Mm. <laughs> it was so, uh, great. It was great to see, um, like Adam May drive with such aggression as well. Like, and like even like even Sunday morning, he was like, "Oh yeah, like you know, pretty pretty normal driving." And then all of a sudden, he just like this light switch flipped about halfway through the day on Sunday, and like he just turned into an absolute madman, and he was just like throwing down these massive entries, especially his chases as well. Like he was throwing down these bombastic like entries on chase like right right up in um in the lead car's guts on the initiation into one like it was it was so good to see and like of course the um the scotty and dale show like scotty scotty coming out of re- retirement the, <laughs> the, i'm gonna have the year off and then we go oh we got a ball i was like hey oh they got come back for this one and um like, oh, look, we were all expecting him to be right up there, but the the final battles that those those two put on um, were absolutely outstanding to watch, and it was some of the best driving I've seen a Malar in a very long time. Uh, definitely. Definitely was really cool. Um, with Adam uh, May as well, he so he had a boost leak apparently on Saturday. So we actually fixed that on, uh, I think, for Sunday. Obviously got some more practice in. Um, when he was against Woody, he actually got a 10 out of 10 from me on one of his runs. Uh, I think with the other guys, it was the same as well. Um, which is like, yeah, like you said, it was like a light switch and he was an absolute demon. Um, so that was, that was really cool to see. Um, and, uh, just trying to see who else, you know, there was a couple of other people that got some really good scores as well. Uh, like Roger got, got a 10 as well. And so did, um. Uh, Kelly actually did really well at what, when the car was working. Uh, special mention to her because once she, the car was working, she got the line perfect um, and got some really good scores when the when the car was behaving. Um, you know, Scotty and Dale, like absolute absolute machines. Um, it was so good to see. Um, well, Scott's you know doors had rubber marks on it, no dents rubber marks so he wasn't hitting him it was just just precision driving um and t- to break those two up there were so many reruns because of basically one one guy would make this tiniest mistake and then when they swapped he made exactly the same mistake in exactly the same spot um so it was so that's why there was you know actual um let's have a look here yeah, like, you know, five fives, so then it's rerun. <laughs> so, and then, you know, trying to decide the final piece was, um, I think Dale actually was able to, to sort of pull away a bit, but also get the line 100% perfect every single run. Um, and that's, yeah, that's what, what got him to win. Um, but it was awesome to see. It was really good to see. Another good thing as well is, you know, after every run, they would get out, high five, give each other hugs as well. Like that is, that, to me, that's just awesome to see as well. Um, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it's just like the, the community, like the spirit, like they're not they're not out there to win. Oh, they are out there to win. But like <laughs> they're out there enjoying the day, having fun. Like they're not like, ah, oh, shit, like he fucking, he got out on me and he did this and that. It's like, yeah, fuck yeah, he, he got on me. Like we had a good run and like we put on a show. And those two put on a show like every every time. 
Some, sometimes Dale's a bit boring. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to that one again. I think I think me calling him out, saying he was boring, I think it was like top eight. Yeah, he really stepped up after that. Good on you, Dale. Proud of you. <laughs> <sighs> so, yes, I had pro rides out on the weekend. Plenty mm. of laps getting done. By, yeah, uh, how'd, how'd that pro ride go for you, Tate? I heard you did one. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah. was uh, full of profit, that's for sure. Stonks. <laughs> my my uh, three laps and uh, blew the engine up on a pro ride, so <laughs> profit. That, that's the realism of drifting. Welcome. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I got roped into doing some pro rides as well as I, I took my car out saying i'm not going to drive it i'm just going to go out there and do poser laps in the car in the car park and then um i was like oh yeah oh do you need an extra pro ride driver do you landed and he's like oh yeah we um yeah, jay jay had an issue or something he couldn't make it out oh look oh, i could go home i could grab some tires if you really need me to and, and then i did pro rides and it was heaps of fun uh it's it's so much fun taking people out and they get so bloody hyped like you kind of get used to taking your mates out who are all into drifting most of the time anyway. So you, you go for a ride and they're like, oh yeah, that was, that was cool. Like that was, that was sick. And then you put someone that's never been in a car, like a car doing that stuff before. And you got someone like screaming in your ear as you go around. I'm like, this is different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The dude I took him. Are you car, okay? His brain. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had one bloke almost punched me in the head, like getting hyped up driving down the straight. We hadn't even initiated yet. <laughs> He was super hyped. It was great. I'm like, oh, keep those fists to yourself, buddy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think I had Tim Landon and uh, Simon out there most of the weekend. Mm-hmm. A couple of people uh, jumping in. So lots of people got through, got in the car, which is like what we like to see. Yeah. Definitely. That um, the, the people that came out of Ben's car had the biggest smile on their face. But they were, like, taking photos of the car as well. I'm like, that is so cool. It's so cool that, you know, you can just share it with other people. And, yeah, um, definitely. And they, like, really, really enjoy it. Um, and it just makes it even more fun again. Yeah, like Plus Ben my... just said, like you were saying, sorry, Ben, you get used to taking your mates and that. And when you take someone that's, you know, might be in the motorsport or might be into, you know, somewhat cars or someone's mum or something like that. And it's just like the the vibe that you get from them is either yeah. shitting their pants and they don't say a word or they're just like so hyped up. Like I've done a few battle runs, like just laps with Landon when he's had someone in the car and just like on his door or whatever or vice versa. And the guy will come up to me afterwards and be like, high five me. I'm like, who's this dude? And then Landon's like, it's the guy I had passenger. Like, And I was like, oh, sick, man. He's like, just so pumped up, but like yeah. you get used, to, yeah, you get used to having your mates and stuff like that, and it's just get these. We're not, we're not and... saying that our mates aren't appreciative; they're just no, used to used they're to used to it, to it sort it. of thing. Yeah. So you know, they'll come out and they'll just sort of be like, "Yeah, it's sick or whatever." But you these randoms, and it's it's so good to see. Like, no, if you think we've done a crap lap, but they still love it, eh? Like yeah. you're like, oh, I could have yeah. done better there, and they're just like, that was sick. Oh, I had I had a bo- I had a bobble in the transition, and like, I had a bit of a straighten or something like that. I'm like, oh, sorry about treat. that, man. And then it's like, yeah, do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want, um, if you want a pro ride, go. There's an Instagram page now. It's like SA Drifting Pro Rides. There's also a Facebook page. Basically, at any any big event now. I don't know. if if it's going to be a thing at I Locktober, Locktoberfest. I think it will be. I'm not 100% be, sure. But uh, definitely at round five, which is coming up really shortly as well. 
uh, which yep. is back at uh, Taylor and Bend again. And again, it's going to be a super round, so another two-day event. So, yeah, um, get yourself a pro ride. You can pre-book them. I think if you pre-book your pro rides, you don't have to pay a gate entry as well, so it's actually a little bit cheaper. Um, but you can also get them on the day if they um, don't sell out. So get in a drift car and have fun. And we'll take you for a ride. And Taylor blow another mode. <laughs> I'm actually really torn because the next event coming up, I'm like, I can't really be bothered entering in the 180, but I probably should. Mm. I mainly want to do pro rides. So I'm trying to convince Landon to let me do only pro rides and the comp parts. I don't do any practice. I just want to do just pro rides and then just yeah, go straight. Pro rides the... is practice anyway. Like, exactly. pretty fine. Just practice with someone in the car. And that, and that way I can afford to actually do the comp. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your drifting's not cheap. No, no, it's not. No, and everyone's sad because everyone's just gone. How much, money have I, how much money have I just spent in the last six to eight months? Oh, I've got a spreadsheet. It's terrible. Oh, you're oh, you are you are really? sadistic. That's a bad idea. You're yeah. absolutely sadistic. I know it's, it's not good. All I know is I'm I, I make enough money to live comfortably, and I'm poor all the time. <laughs> poor. Well, I know that Naomi and I make roughly the same amount of money, and like she updates me on how much money she's got in her account, exactly. and I have to on how much credit I have run up on the credit card. <laughs> <laughs> so, not good. Perfect. So, uh, what, what do we got here? One more. Thoughts on um, generally how the event ran? I think this one ran really very smoothly. Renee got a bit hyped a couple of times and got all the L1 drivers there uh, very early. <laughs> I had could hear chat. Renee on the PA from yeah. halfway down the straight, and she was only on the pit PA. Like, yeah, it was, it was, um, the sound carried. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she burst my eardrums because I was standing near <laughs> one of those speakers when she made an announcement. But uh, overall, I think it ran really quite well. There was good use of uh, track time doing that big entry comp and uh, having having uh, practice before the uh, the comp practice actually opened. I think a few people were like, oh, you know, I want to do the whole thing, but I don't want to pay extra. But that would have been way too much track time to, you know, <laughs> to be doing both of those. It was a, a lot of track time, particularly on Saturday. So gave uh, people that wanted to come out and practice a chance to, I guess. So... Yeah. So I have one more thing down here. Bit of, bit controversial. I don't know if Ben's seen it. He's smiling. He's seen it. I'm saying, I'm looking at something else, but I've also seen it. <laughs> um, so the Rattler situation. Kind of... And everyone goes silent. <laughs> yep. No, I didn't... I obviously wasn't there, so I only heard part of what happened. So there's... there's so tell me there's, more. There's two parts to this. There's obviously the situation that happened and then the situation that happened with the the reaction to the situation that happened. Okay. So um, obviously... Right. Talk, talk me through what happened. So um, Cliff spun into turn one and then he says it was out of gear or stuck in gear or something and basically he rattled. There's, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. Like he's done a... Like there's a video on the live stream of a full rotation around with smoke bellowing off the car. Yeah. And then um, I think it was Hayden, Adam May, and Lyndon that came in behind him. I think it was Hayden was the lead car. 
and uh, um, there was there was a pretty substantial contact between Lyndon and Adam because of um, the the situation with the smoke with everyone just obviously getting blinded and not knowing what was going on. So and not um, knowing where Cliff was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and um, from the camera on the outside from the live stream, you can see Cliff rolling backwards out of the smoke, but like he's also then rolled from the inside of the track onto the line technically and yeah it was it was messy and yeah. it was always going to be messy but um and then um obviously you know rattler is basically the biggest no-no you can do in drifting other than you know driving backwards on a track into someone head-on i guess we it, should cover off what a rattler is yeah so rattler is so it's synonymous with a green BA Falcon um, that was the Rattler Motorsport car that came over from New Zealand for World Time Attack in 2015? Oh, uh, I think it was earlier than that, I reckon. Maybe? Yeah, anyway. Like 2013. It was, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah. it, it rode off two of, well, it rode off one of Australia's most well-known drift cars, which was Bowie 8's A86, and as well as um, CC's uh, Sephiro. Yeah, so he Freshly basically built. came down. He came down the the, the hill into Sydney South Circuit. Yeah, entered, spun. spun out, and then on just on the outfield where it was asphalt, he was basically going to burn out yeah. and ringies, and then decided to enter back onto the track into his own smoke, and that's when CC and uh, the driver in the eight six came oh, onto the track, yeah. not being able to see him because of the smoke and collection. So Bo's Bo's hit. Hit the Rattler bloke. I can't remember the name of the guy. That oh, was actually no one remembers the name. They just remember the Rattler. Rattler. Was this, sorry, yeah. was this Sunday or Saturday that this happened? This is Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Saturday. That's right. I'm just trying to find it on the live stream so I can see. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, keep going, keep going. There is a post somewhere. Um, but anyway. I think it's like eight minutes in or something. Yeah, there was a um, a burnout on the track and there was contact. And, you know, it is what it is. Like, it, it happens. But then... Um, there was obviously some reaction, some behind closed doors, some in the um, in the open public, and then um, some people got a little bit, maybe a little bit spicy with Photoshop, <laughs> and um, and some some, um, some words and stuff were said. But um, it was it wasn't nice to to look at from the outside. And obviously, like you know, people do say stuff behind closed doors and rah rah, and that's that's your pejorative to say whatever you want. But some of the stuff that was being thrown around in, in the public space really wasn't the best. Um, it didn't really shine a great light on the uh, the drift community that has been growing in the last, like basically since DSA has taken over running all these events and stuff like that. We've built a really strong uh, like family vibe and a really strong community. And it was maybe a, um, a little bit of a step backwards. I think some, some in, of the stuff uh, didn't stay on topic. Yeah, enough yeah. was probably the biggest the biggest problem. Um, yeah, so yeah, that happened. I know that I had I did have a situation where I had someone do a rattler in front of me, yeah. also. So it wasn't oh, just a, a once off uh, occurrence. It's, it's okay to be a bad driver. Like it happens. Like you, not everyone, and not even saying bad driver. Like that car looks like it's an absolute fucking pig to drive. And like even Walt Thomas definitely where, struggling. Where, um, yeah. Uh, what's his face? The uh, Drift Samurai came over and drove it. He couldn't. He didn't put a lap together in that car. So the car's obviously a, a handful. Mm. But like, uh, you know, it's gonna happen. And like, the Rattler thing is not great. Like, who? If you spin, you spin. Whatever. But yeah, the the Rattler was not on it. He's done it a couple of times. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of um, 
stuff that obviously got brought out from the woodwork and um, maybe a few people saw that as an opportunity to really jump on the bandwagon as well. Some people that maybe weren't um, weren't involved as much as well. Mm. I think um, like with what happened on the day as well, um, what Linda and stuff was saying is they actually couldn't really see like they just saw lots of smoke and went, oh yeah, you know, it's just normal, normal turn two smoke or whatever, or like you know, loading up through the first first corner into turn two, um, and it was near the end of the day. So as you guys know, going down the straight when the sun's right, you know, right in your eyes, it's you're basically concentrating on the car ahead and mainly just on that car to to be close and and all of that. So when I think I think it was Greenhill who was at the start. He just bailed out. Oh, but then, yeah, was, yeah, then black, Adam was dark trying to, yeah. And then Adam was trying to, like, he obviously just saw him as he was halfway through the corner and went, oh shit, and tried to bail it up. And then Lindo's just full tilt because he he was focusing on Adam's car yeah, and he wouldn't be able yeah. to see. Um, and then unfortunately that happened. Um, and um, you know. What a lot of people don't know is Cliff actually talked to those guys and apologised to them, um, which was, you know, which was really good. Um, all the aftermath after it, definitely not a good thing at all. Um, not only is there, you know, mental health stuff you know, with just bullying as it is, but also um, even if you don't work for Drifting SA or, you know, anything like that, you still are associated with drifting SA or drifting in SA as a whole. So anything you do or say basically can uh, you know, reflect on. Yeah. yeah, so it reflects the community, but also all the stickers that are on your car, for example, or your sponsors, it all reflects onto those guys. Um, I don't know if it's the old man coming out of me and realising that now, but obviously when you're younger, you know, you sort of can go a bit too far, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely not not cool to see. But um, yeah, I suppose you know we just move forward from it and um, yeah, keep keep it as a family. <laughs> yeah, I mean there is there is positives and negatives to take out of that. Some of the positives are that it's good to see that SA Drift as a whole says no, that's not a good thing to do, as in doing the Rattlers on track that everyone was all over that no one was defending that that is a good thing to do. Yeah. So at least that, that part, everyone's on the same page and the community does try to do a, a bit of its own self-policing. Yeah. But in this yeah. case, it went too far with it. But also we had the, the also the self-policing of the community went, you know, went too far as well. And we had multiple posts come up going, Hey, Hey boys, like, you know, mm. maybe we should, settle this down and nip this in the bud and it I think that was probably one of the um the factors that didn't that stopped it from blowing up to something that could have been much bigger than it was. Um with that those, you know, the guys that are a little bit more um you know, you'd say is more of a leader in the community quite kind of role, especially behind the scenes, you know, going, Hey boys, you know, this isn't on and like Lyndon himself saying, Hey guys, like, you know, I was the one that was affecting this. Like you guys don't need to be fighting this battle that you think you're fighting for me. Like, you know, you know calm down. So um, yeah, it's it was a roller coaster of emotions for a couple of days there, and you know, pretty much since then, from what I've seen, it's really you know just, we've just gone back to the status quo. So 
it was a bit of a flare-up, but we're back to, to normal and we can just focus on moving forwards now and moving towards our um, our final few events of the year. That's a good little segue, Ben. Yeah, yeah. yeah Excellent. Good, 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 good job. job. All right. So, <laughs> so do we want to well, go about what's going up? Or? Yeah, yeah. let's let's jump into that quickly. I think we've been going for a little while now, but uh, we've got yeah. Foolish Line coming up at... Uh, JMX Park. Park. So that's the 23rd of October, I believe. Yep. Party with a side of drifting. Yep. So um, that's the invite-only driving event. The driver's list is out there. You can go to the Foolish Lion Facebook and Instagram page. Um, come up, party. There's going to be a, um, a DJ and stuff from what I'm hearing. So it's actually going to be a party on Saturday night. Landon's so, bringing, bringing the good stuff. Landon's bringing a, <laughs> a form of dispensary. Um so bring your mates, bring your swag, come up to X Park. I think it's ten bucks entry, ten bucks to camp, or five bucks to camp, something like that. Bring a swag, have fun, come get pierced with us. <laughs> Paso rides. Um, yeah, no, totally sensible Paso rides, and then get pissed afterwards. Um, and then we have Ladies' Day coming up at Malala Skid Pan. Sixteenth. Sixteenth of. Yeah, October. October. Yeah, very good. So that's not far away at all. That's like. Three weeks away. So, um, again... The Glitter um, Gang that we're talking to on the last episode. Yeah, the Glitter Gang. So, if you want to go out there and um, go over and watch, watch some drifting, bring your missus out, go, hey, this is what drifting is. And maybe don't do that, because then she'll know how much it costs. <laughs> <laughs> and then she might do in two, and you'll both be Yeah, and then you then you're double the trouble. Um, and then moving on to um, round five. So, 6th to 7th of November at the Bend. Round five, I believe that is the final round of this year's state series. So, um, once again, there'll be a drift school as well on Skid Pan on the Saturday. So, Saturday morning, Skid, skid Pan drift school, Skid Pan in the Arvo, open track Saturday night, comp on Sunday. So, that should be um, pretty good. And, and I um, think even Locktoberfest on 20th and 21st. Yeah, bang on, Tay. I'm looking at the dates. I brought it up on Instagram. Uh, 20th and 21st of November. Ah, there you go. Locktoberfest. So Locktoberfest because it's not in October anymore. So um, <laughs> two days, open track, Matsuri-style drifting at the bend. I will be there with bells on if I don't break my car at Foolish Line. Uh, yeah, basically, I'll put the cage back in so I can come party with the big boys and do the fast layouts with the fast boys. And, uh, yeah, come out. We'll do some, hopefully be some pro rides and stuff like that. Uh, much more, um, like, party atmosphere again. Not not so much all serious cop stuff, just open track thrashing, um, lots of passenger rides, stuff like that. And I reckon that's a, um, a pretty good way to cap the year off. If you want to keep up to date with... Over there. Uh, I've changed the camera. It used to be over there. Now it's over here. Um, keep up to date with everything going on with Drifting NSA. Um, follow Drifting SA on Facebook or Instagram. That's probably the best way to keep up with what's going on with that. You can follow us um, on Facebook at The Outside Line. And yep. um, maybe possibly an Instagram if Tate does gets something about it. that. If Tate gets under that, so we can fine. I'll add it to my list. We, so we can shit post in multiple forms. Um, we're gonna we got to do more shit posting because at the moment it's just mainly podcasting. <laughs> and mainly we need we need posting. a good we need a good shit posting balance. Davey, where can we find you? Where you want to give us a plug? Give us a plug for R and D again. Give us your socials. I know you're pretty fresh back onto the social media scene. So uh, where can yeah? You... Uh, I think my Instagram's Davey Clark six one six. 
It is because uh, I tagged you in a post before you haven't shared it. You don't know how to use Instagram. <laughs> oh, I'm so bad with it. I'm definitely old. Um, uh, and then R&D Mechanical on... I don't think we even... We don't even bother posting on Facebook anymore because we're so busy. And as soon as we do, we get flat out. So. All right, just yeah. go to Seaford and knock on their door. Pretty and, much, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, very good. Tate, give us, give us the plugs. Uh, Instagram, one arm bandit 73 YouTube, one arm bandit I think that's it. There's been a rebranding in it. Keep, keep up to date with the vlogs. <laughs> I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed you shitting your pants leaving cars and coffee when the, the cop drove past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Amy told me to do a burnout. I'm like, I don't think this is the time, honey. What about yourself, Jack? Uh, just it's Jackson Stell on Instagram. He, doesn't he hasn't Facebook. got Facebook. No more Facebook. Stop sending me friend requests on Facebook unless I actually know you. <laughs> okay, you, don't, you, don't, you don't do the ad friend unfollow. No, no, I do the. Uh, you've sent me a friend request. Oh, it's just lots of Commodore, like V, like V6 Commodores in your profile pictures. I'll just ignore that one. Um, yeah, Instagram at uh, Bogensoku. Uh, there's the team for Haps now as well. That's a thing. And um, yeah, go do that stuff. And follow us on Instagram when we do it eventually. <laughs> so, Davey, round yes. five. Are you driving or are you judging? So. Announcement: I'm not driving. Uh, I was going to, I was going to sort of do like the last leg of uh, L2 if my car was going to be ready, which it might be. But um, I'm actually going to sit it out and judge this one as well, um, yes. and that will sort of give me uh, a good understanding of the Talons layout as well because we're doing reverse layout, I believe. Um, so it'll be good to get some. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I'm going to learn heaps, like even at Malala, I learned heaps just on how the judging worked and, um, um, you know, all of Stewie's mastermind are behind it all. Um, so it'll be cool to, to learn some more and um, hopefully, you know, if the car goes well, hopefully go full tilt into L1 next year, which will be good fun. Sweet as. Well, I reckon, lads, we're, uh, we're probably about an hour and a half deep now, so... Yeah, it's been a nice, nice good long one. Chance to call, call it. <laughs> Thanks for all uh, popping on, and uh, we'll see everyone. What foolish line day, maybe? Yeah, see? I reckon you're you're doing foolish line, aren't you, Tate? Yeah, yeah. yeah I got invited this year. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you're one of the cool kids now, Tate. I know. Are you bringing the 180 up or? Yeah, well, I don't have anything else to drive. Ah, very good. <laughs> 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 Very good. That's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you, lads. See you in the next Perfect. one. Thanks, guys. Bye -bye. See ya. You can stop now, Will. <laughs> <laughs> Press the stop button. Press the stop button, Will. <laughs>